You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine, your daily hosts of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We've got you covered from Monday to Friday, every day of the week, and it is officially the offseason, James. I'm feeling it today, baby. But we do at least have a trickle of news. Josina Anderson telling us on Twitter that the Bengals apparently made contact with D.D. Westbrook, the former Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver. And we're going to spend some time spurred on by Josina's news breaking, talking about some free agents out there that could be potential camp signings for the Bengals. D.D. Westbrook included. So let's start with wide receiver before we get to some other positions. And then we're going to wrap up by taking a look at some disrespect, James disrespectful Tuesday. (laughs) I I don't know. It's not really alliterative, but shield Capadia from the athletic put out some power rankings today and the Bengals. uh, Well, let's just say it's not favorable, but we'll get there a little bit later in the show. Let's start with DD Westbrook was hurt. Most of last year coming off injury has punt return experience, has returned 47 punts in his career, is mostly a slot guy. Does this tell us that the Bengals are out there looking for depth in the slot position and at the returner spot with Alex Erickson not on the team? Or are they just looking for wide receiver depth in general? I don't know that this is anything serious, but it does tell us that at least they have made contact with somebody at the position. Sign me up for D.D. Westbrook right now for a couple of reasons that you just made one, the punt return ability right now. It's just Darius Phillips. And yeah, I know DD Westbrook has injury history, but Darius Phillips does too. And you need someone else back there. And as of now today, as we record this, Jake, I think Tyler Boyd is your backup punt returner. So think about that. Now there might be someone that I don't see that they could end up using, but as of right now, that's how I think it would play out, which is obviously less than ideal and not something I want the Bengals to to do going into the 2021 season. So Westbrook makes sense from a special team standpoint. Now, speaking of Tyler Boyd, a, a backup slot receiver of, of D.D. Westbrook, who's only 27 years old, you're right, coming off of an injury, torn ACL, has been dinged up. But in 2018 and 2019, he had 66 receptions in each season, 717 yards in 2018, 660 yards in 2019, eight touchdowns over that span. He's he's a quality player when healthy. And yeah, he's flawed. That's why he's available on May 11th, right? That's why he's still out there after the draft and just hoping to, to catch on. And so if you can get him to be your backup slot receiver, maybe starting punt returner with a, a Darius Phillips mixed in or vice versa, that's a huge win. And if I'm the Bengals, that's what I would try to sell him on because the Chiefs mentioned, the Vikings mentioned, I'd say, look, you could be our starting punt returner right away. And there are going to be times where we run with five receivers and, and you can get in that mix because you're better than Mike Thomas from a, a wide receiver standpoint. So we'll, we'll see if there's anything there, if they actually pursue it, if he's interested in the Bengals. But it does sound like he has some options. And uh, if I'm the Bengals, I would be interested because of what you're about to say, which is probably how shallow the rest of this free agent pool is at the receiver position. That's exactly where I'm going next. 
I mean, here, here are some names that are technically free agents that some of these are guys that I don't think have any chance in signing in Cincinnati. One of them is Larry Fitzgerald. I think he's either going back to Arizona or retiring. Golden Tate, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what the market will be there. He's a guy that has been paid relatively well throughout his career, but hasn't been productive, has been injured a little bit in the last couple of years. Cody Core. This is a guy that's on the list. I, I don't think that it's a guy that the Bengals are interested in, but he's out there. And, reunion and, time, Jake. It's reunion time. Cody Core. Yep, you can say that. That doesn't mean it's true. I mean, it, but when you look at the list, it's it's a list that doesn't include names that inspire a lot of optimism or upside. I think D.D. Westbrook is one of the names with the most upside on the list, unless you think there's anything that is left to be developed for guys like Laquan Treadwell and Josh Doxson, both former first round picks. I mean, those guys are out there. One guy that does stand out and, and I'm really stretching here, James is Benny Fowler. Most recently with the saints spent two years with Brian Callahan in Denver in that second year, 2015, when Callahan was in Denver, Fowler played, I think something like 200 snaps in the slot, hundred snaps out wide, played a lot of special teams for the Broncos has been part of kick coverage units, has been part of kick return units, not as a return man, but has been part of those units. So has a lot of special teams experience, has the connection with Brian Callahan, has experience playing the slot and out wide. He's 30 now, and he didn't really play a whole lot last year for the Saints, but that's a guy that's out there with some connections, and, and you can sort of see that making sense if they need some depth that can also contribute on special teams. I'm going to give you credit because you found this one and you were going through these receivers and there aren't many, you know, many left in that, that tie to Callahan, that might be something right. And that's after the Westbrooks of the world. And there aren't many, it might just be Westbrook. Benny Fowler might be the next best option, not the next biggest name, but you're really telling me golden Tate's going to want to come here and be, you know, Tyler Boyd's backup, <laughs> right? Like he, he, he's probably the one hoping Kansas city calls or a, a Minnesota Vikings call. So yeah, I, I would, uh, I, I would think that the Bengals are going to try to add a body at receiver that can compete for a roster spot. That doesn't mean that they're going to force the issue that they're going to spend a lot of money at that spot, but just someone that can compete with a Scotty Washington, who's an undrafted free agent out of wake forest last year, compete with Trent Irwin, compete with even a Mike Thomas, right? Because, Outside of really the the big four, and I guess big five, because we know Zach Taylor really likes Mike Thomas, and I'll name him, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, and then Mike Thomas. There's just, and this is like most NFL teams, Scotty Washington, Trent Irwin, Stanley Morgan Jr., question marks. So if you can get a, a Benny Fowler just to come in and compete with those guys, I think you could certainly consider it. And uh, that that obviously is on the assumption that they aren't able to land D.D. Westbrook. One last name I'll throw out there because I don't think we expect D.D. Westbrook to be in the car. I mean, there's no reason to expect it right now. Josiah Anderson says they talked. Who knows when that was? Who knows if that's been ongoing? Could have just been kicking the tires. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas didn't play in 2020, was a returner before that. Doesn't really bring a lot on offense at this point in his career. Hasn't really played on offense in 2018, 2019, the last few years he did play but was at some point a very, very good returner. So, you know, at 28 years old, 
there's a chance that there could be some interest there if they're looking for a guy that's more of a return specialist. But I mean, at this point, James, we're really speculating and we'll continue to speculate coming up next. When we look at some of the other positions, maybe some offensive linemen, maybe some three techniques, including Geno Atkins that could potentially be early summer, maybe late spring free agent fits for the Bengals in this post compensatory free agency period here as we start to head into the offseason program. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And I get it. NFL season, not here, but you know what is baseball, NBA playoffs right around the corner, NHL, even UFC, mixed martial arts, all of it in one spot at betonline.ag plus. Maybe you like Jamar Chase's rookie of the year odds. You can check those out over unders for rookies like Chase. Maybe you want to get in on the Joe Burrow comeback player of the year conversation. You can do that at betonline.ag. So get off the sidelines. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason in multiple leagues, including the NBA. So go to betonline.ag right now. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on. It's that simple. Betonline.ag. Make that first deposit. And when you do, use promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. James, as we look at free agency at this point in time, Nothing counting toward the compensatory formula, which means to me the Bengals are ready to play freely in the market. And one position that we've talked about a lot, and we've talked about Geno Atkins as part of this, is do they really have enough depth at three tech? Do they feel comfortable after adding Tyler Shelvin with Josh Tupau coming back, with Rennell Wren coming back from injury, with the addition of Larry Ogunjobi, with their interior defensive line options, especially when it comes to the pass rush. And this is actually a position where there's some guys that are veterans, but have been very good in their careers that are still out there. And I wonder what the price tag would be for some of these guys, especially at the top of the market. And I'm talking about Geno Atkins, of course, as part of this group, but Kawan Short, Jarrell Casey, Sheldon Richardson. I would even go so far as to include Corey Peters, Aubrey Jones on this list. I mean, you could even say if they wanted another nose tackle, which I don't think they should. Damon Harrison's still out there. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys at the interior defensive uh, interior defensive line that are big names that are still available. As like I said before, we went into that break. Offseason program is about to start up. Yeah, despite their interest in a guy like Westbrook or a conversation with him, I think the Bengals' main focus as they sort of address or put a bow on free agency and maybe make a veteran addition or two. I think it's going to be exactly what they did in the draft when they added seven trench players, Jake, where you're probably talking about a defensive tackle and maybe a, an interior offensive lineman. So a Geno Atkins, I think it's semi-realistic that, and we talked about this before they released him, that the path for Geno coming back to Cincinnati would be they release him because his cap number was, you know, 15 plus million and they save 9 million against the cap by doing it. And then he tests his test the market, right? And everyone's like, "Yeah, you had an injured shoulder last year, dude, and you weren't that effective in 2019 when they had you playing a career high in snaps. So we're only going to give you 2 million bucks." 
Well, and I'm just throwing out a number, but something in that range. Well, to me, if I'm Gino, you're going to get a chance to prove you can be that rotational defense of three tech here in Cincinnati, play alongside someone in Larry Ogunjobi that you've mentored and that you're close with, and you don't have to move, which is a hassle, which is a pain in the rear. So if you don't have the right offer and you can stick around here for one more year and show that you can still be effective and then go dip your toe back in the free agent waters next offseason when the cap goes up some, I'm not saying it's it's likely, but I think that scenario is playing out and I'm a little more confident now that it, this could happen and it is realistic that a guy like Gino, and maybe it isn't, maybe I'm talking about a case here, any of those other names that you mentioned, but one of these interior defensive linemen, one of these veterans, I think they're just going to be hanging out there for a team like the Bengals to, to pounce on and I wouldn't blame them one bit. Jarrell Casey is a name that really stands out to me as well. If they want to spend a little bit of extra money or Sheldon Richardson, if they want to double dip with former Browns, those are some guys out there that on the interior defensive line could make sense. And then you look kind of on the other end of the list with some of the younger guys that haven't done as much. PJ Hall is a name that I've seen bandied about lately, but much like wide receiver, once you get past those first few veteran names, it it does seem to be pretty slim pickings for really high upside guys. Not that have a chance, I guess, to be more than camp bodies on, on the interior defensive line. I think they've done enough at edge through the draft that they're not necessarily looking for a veteran edge rusher at this point. I think once things fell through with Ryan Kerrigan and they dedicated those draft picks, three of them to edge rushers, this kind of went off the table a little bit. There's still some guys out there if they are interested, but I have a hard time seeing them having a high level of interest there at this point. And that leaves us with, with offensive linemen, right? Eric Fisher signing today. He's, officially off the market with his Achilles injury and who knows what's going on with him. Trey Turner is a name that we've all but dismissed at this point based on comments from those with the Bengals organization, but it sounds like he doesn't want much money according to a report I read on Twitter on, on Monday, which is, you know, he's asking for two to $3 million. And at that price tag, you know, maybe that's something that would be more interesting. We've talked about Nick Easton, the current or former, most recently former Saints offensive lineman. The Bengals had some interest there. He's still out on the market. Russell Okung, of course, still out there as well, but I don't think that's the tier of player the Bengals will be interested in. But this is the other place where you could see the Bengals finding a guy to come in and compete between now and the start of training camp. And another name for you, and one, the moment he was released that we we talked about, and I think a lot of Bengals fans had their eyes on former Packers tackle Rick Wagner. If he's still wanting to play, and there were reports that he was contemplating retirement, maybe he's got the itch now that he's had a little time to uh, unwind after that Packers playoff run. Who knows? I'm sure he could kick inside, but certainly would give you some depth at tackle, especially if you don't feel like Jackson Carmen's ready to step in there And that's the thing, like to me, the Bengals learned, and I hope they learned, depth is so important. So if they can add a veteran that, yeah, might not be a day one starter, even a Trey Turner, who you're right, like the the Bengals basically came out and said, we don't think he's better than the guys we have. But if you can get one of those guys at a reasonable deal, let's just say they think he's around what Quentin Spain is. Is it good to have one Quentin Spain or three Quentin Spains as backups? 
well, I'd rather have three than one because they're versatile, they're team guys, and things aren't going to completely fall apart if you have to lean on them. So that's where I'm at, and hopefully the Bengals can find you know, another offensive lineman and maybe another defensive lineman here in free agency. And the, the one I think at the top of the list, it's going to be hard to do, but the, the Charles Leno would be great, right? I just I think that that's pie in the sky. Another pie in the sky one would be Mitchell Schwartz. Who knows where his health is? But to me, are you, are you going to get Mitchell Schwartz, a, a Super Bowl champ who's working his way back and his future's in question, if he can play again? Are you getting him to sign up to, to play guard at Paul Brown Stadium? I don't know. Maybe. I, I think that might be a tough sell, though. I don't even know if he could. I don't know how he would translate to guard. I haven't watched him enough to know how that would work out. Another guy out there, Bobby Massey, he's probably looking for starting opportunities. So the point is, there, there are quite a few guys still out there on the offensive line. I'm going to be interested to see who it is that the Bengals bring in, if they bring in another veteran, or if they go for one of these younger guys that we haven't talked about, one of these unheralded guys. Maybe they like the tape. Maybe they liked them coming out of school. Maybe they have some some former coaching connections that that we missed. Austin Ryder would be a guy out there that, you know, maybe they don't feel good about Trey Hopkins yet. And, and they want to shore up the center position depth a little bit, you know, depending on Billy Price. And I guess they'll get a better idea of that when they start some of the offseason activities. And that'll be coming up pretty soon. But let's uh, stop talking about free agents, James. Let's stop speculating on guys that probably won't be Bengals because there's so many out there and they'll probably only sign one or two guys from here on at least until injuries start to set in and they start looking for some replacements. But let's talk about the the power rankings. It's early. It's after the draft, though. The roster is mostly stocked with the players that will be playing significant playing time for this team and all teams in 2021. And it doesn't look like the moves the Bengals have made move the needle very much in some of the power rankings I've seen. We'll get into that coming up next. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation, and that's why you need rockauto.com. I've used it, and you should too, because you can avoid going to the big box store and watching Beavis type in the make and model of your car and look for the parts you need. You can do all of that from the comfort of your own home, so you're saving time, you're saving energy, with rockauto.com, you're also going to save money because they have rock bottom prices at Rock Auto. They're a family business. They've served auto parts customers online for more than two decades. You need to check them out. And yeah, the weather's getting a little warmer, I'm hoping, because Cincinnati and Ohio in general has been much chillier than it should be, but you're probably going to do a little bit of work on your car. Rockauto.com can help. So go there right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you go to check out, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Bengals have made a ton of offseason moves, but it hasn't translated to most power rankings, Jake. And just taking a look at uh, the most recent ones that were released by The Athletic on Monday afternoon. Shil Kapadia, by the way, is the author. If you uh, want to check out all of them at The Athletic, the Bengals 29th and he brings up the offensive line. Certainly did the Bengals do enough 
to address that. And he says Cincinnati's success depends almost entirely on whether or not the offensive line can keep Joe Burrow upright and if Burrow can be 100% for the start of the season. So I think his concerns are fair and we all share the same ones. But is 29th too low? I don't know. I don't know if it's too low or if maybe it's other teams are too high. Like having Jacksonville ahead of the Bengals with a rookie quarterback, with Urban Meyer in his first year down there, with who knows, right? Who knows what's going to happen in Jacksonville this year? You know, maybe that's a little bit weird. Maybe maybe having Carolina 27th with their quarterback situation being what it is. Sam Darnold being the quarterback. You know, maybe that seems a little bit weird, but I mean, I think it's fair to say that you don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be healthy right now. And if Brandon, Brandon Allen's starting games, then sure. 29th. Fine. I mean, that's ahead of the jets and their rookie quarterback. It's ahead of the lions and their rookie offensive all world tackle. Sorry. Is that too much? And ahead of the Texans who aren't really an NFL team right now. Um, man, the Texans are a true a true disaster, but I don't know if it's necessarily too low on the virtues of the Bengals strengths necessarily. But when I look at some of the other teams, I'm like, okay, I can make an argument that the Bengals should be compared to this team. And, and I just named a few of them in close proximity, but there are some others that stood out as well. What do you think? I think it's about right because they've won six games in two years. And while I can see potential in the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase to Tyler Boyd to T. Higgins connection. And I love the idea of Joe Mixon running behind a more physical Frank Pollock coached offensive line. Sometimes you just got to prove it. And that's kind of where I am. And, and to me, this is, is such a prove it year for this coaching staff. And they've really, and, and by they, the Bengals have really tried to give Luana Rumo what he needs. I think they did address the offensive line. Now, is it enough? We'll see, because the Bengals are going to throw the ball a ton, and that's just what they're going to do. But then the other thing here, and it's something that I think we've not forgotten. It's been in the back of most Bengals fans' minds. But this idea that Joe is just going to be Joe right out of the shoot is just – it's tough. It's a tough ask. And that's why investing in another guard or tackle on the offensive line, why would you argue against it, right? Because if Joe's – 95% of what he was last year, and I don't mean physically or health-wise. He could be 100% healthy and still not be the same guy for a little bit, maybe the first quarter of the season. Well, then you're going to need someone else to to pick up a little bit of the slack, and that could mean the offensive line just being that much better. I don't know if Zach Taylor is capable of doing that. And so is 28th a little low? Could they be 26th? I could make that argument, but I'm not getting bent out of shape about 28th. And in fact, I think Sports Illustrated last week had them 30th in their post-draft power ranking. So uh, they've certainly been lower on some of these. It's, it's 29th at The Athletic. But regardless, when, when you compare it to some of the other teams, maybe it's just that there, there isn't that much of a difference. And I felt this way last year. There isn't that much of a difference between most teams in the NFL. Most teams in the NFL are kind of middle-of-the-pack teams that depending on one score game regression and injury luck is going to determine most of the way that they finish in the draft order. Bounce of the ball here, bounce of the ball there kind of thing. And then there's a few teams at the top that feel like true contenders. And I feel like that's like 
three or four teams in the last couple of years, last year, this year combined, it feels like there's only three or four. Maybe you could expand it to five real contenders. But one thing that stood out to me and, and a common comparison for the Bengals and Mo Egger just wrote about this at the athletic.com as well is, is the Los Angeles chargers. And it kind of makes you think if Joe Burrow hadn't gotten hurt and the Bengals have finished the season on the trajectory they look to be going, where the offense looked like it was picking up a little bit. Where would they be in this list? We would not have any people screaming about Joe Burrow's knee exploding, right? We would have people saying he needs to take less hits, but we would have people looking at it and saying, well, they did some things to try to improve the offensive line, and they'll get Jonah Williams back. Trey Hopkins' injury certainly doesn't help this narrative, but the Chargers are ninth in this list. And and that's despite them also them, them actually having a worse pass blocking offensive line than the Bengals last year, but Justin Herbert happened to not get hurt behind that worse offensive line where he took hits and sacks at a higher rate than the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. So, when I see the Chargers at ninth and they've made maybe more moves than the Bengals more notable free agency moves, they you know, sign Corey Lindsley, they sign Matt Filer, they draft Rashawn Slater in the first round. I'm not sure I see 20 teams of difference between these two teams, especially when I'm in the crowd. I'm in the nerd analytic crowd that expects some regression from Justin Herbert. And I'm in the crowd that also believes, much like the Bengals, I need to see it to believe it. With the Chargers, they've been trying to fix their offensive line for who knows how long? And no matter what they do, they make moves that seem like they'll work on paper. They don't ever seem to work. So when I see something like this, that's where I start to step back and think, man, are we are we overrating the state of the Bengals offensive line? Are we overrating Joe Burrow's injury? And then the other side of it is, like you said, James, there's so much prove it required for this coaching staff that it's hard to argue with it at the same time. And the, the Chargers are completely too high <laughs> like the Bengals I'm not going to argue with it and I can kind of see at the same time I, I think people fall in love with numbers with Justin Herbert you know and, and think that he's like this this finished product that that once he gets you know a solid offensive line he's going to throw for 50 touchdowns and who knows maybe he is maybe he's a future MVP of the league he's certainly got some rare physical traits at the same time you're telling me the Browns aren't a better team they're 10th in these rankings than the Chargers it's not even close roster wise. Like I don't even need to go down it that, you know, the Browns have a better uh, offensive line. They have a capable quarterback. They have better weapons. When you talk about the best running back duo in the league and you flip it, they've added so many defensive players from John Johnson to Troy Hill, Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson. And then they, Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Wosu Koromora in the draft. I mean, they just add, 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 add. I would absolutely put them ahead of the chargers. And so that was, that's a surprise for me is is the Chargers being as high as they are. And that's no disrespect to them. I think they could be really good. But there's questions about their coaching staff, too. It's a first-year coach. I don't know what they're going to bring there. And, and so, yeah, I think that that's one of the, the ones. And you were smart to point that out. That's one that stands out to me. They're certainly too high on this list. And, and this is where I wonder if it's just like the the mush – that the, the the brown paste that is the, the middle of the NFL that all just kind of looks the same when you really take a high-level view because, okay, here here's the next few teams on the list. And, and I think a few of these seem too high to me too. Atlanta Falcons, 11. 
uh, and they just picked in the top five. Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins, 12. And we have no idea what Tua is, right? But they added Will Fuller. And, you know, a lot of this is informed by adjusted games loss and, and injury regression. A lot of this is informed by one-score game regression. For example, the Pittsburgh Steelers come in at 13th. And Capadia points out they were 7-2 and two in one-score games on the second easiest schedule in the NFL last year. So, yeah, they won a lot of games. They went to the playoffs. But does anyone really think the Steelers are contenders? I don't think so. And then you go down this list for a few more guys, for a few more teams, sorry. Minnesota, Indianapolis, Denver, Dallas, Washington football team. I mean, I could see Dallas maybe going up a little bit if Dak carries them there, but there are so many questions on that defense. Like all these teams are teams with giant question marks. And I think this is the case for a lot of teams kind of in the middle of the pack that are not in the tier of the Tampa Bays, the Kansas Cities. You know, the the Green Bay Packers, if Aaron Rodgers stays there, the Buffalo Bills, for example. And, and you know, maybe you make an argument for the Ravens. So there's this this beige, maybe brown is the wrong color, beige khaki pants in the middle that this indistinguishable from one another, some cream at the top and some teams at the bottom that have more question marks than others. But at this point in the offseason, it's just really hard for any of these sorts of conclusions to be drawn for me. Jim Harbaugh style, no doubt. Jim Harbaugh style yeah. khakis there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and here's the final thing, I, at least my thoughts on this, and there's certainly going to be some Bengals fans that, that say this, like, yeah, you look at all these teams, and you know what the difference is going to be for the Bengals? And this might be true. Joe Burrow. He's going to take a step, and his rehab's going well, and he's going to be ready to go for week one, and if he takes a couple steps forward, he's absolutely going to show that he's a better quarterback than Justin Herbert and his year two is going to be so much better than year one. And, and all of those things can happen, but they're questions. And and if that, that happens, that's kind of the path for the Bengals to make a big move. If if there was one way to do it, it would be, yeah, Burrow's knees, not only 100%, but his deep ball is back. The, The, the adding of Jamar chase has just completely changed this offense. And not only are they efficient, but they're able to push the ball down the field like we haven't seen really since 2015. So that's the optimistic view, which is, I think, a good way for me at least to to end my thoughts on on these Bengals power rankings here in in, in May. There you go. Some optimism from James Rapine. Power (laughs) rankings at this point don't tell us anything, but we we are at this point in the offseason where stuff like this is, is at least worth talking about every now and again. You know, how how have our perceptions changed over time? What are the things that really distinguish teams from one another? Where and, And how do the Bengals fit in? And it's also, as you point out, James, you know, this isn't as low as the Bengals have been. It's interesting to see where the national media and, and national analysts that are not so connected as we are see things playing out. And a lot of it just comes down to the uncertainty around Burrow. And we really have no idea how that's going to play out yet. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. That schedule is coming out soon, which gives us some content, some things to talk about as we break down how the Bengals 2021 schedule lays out. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one.